You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Chris Neal. My name is Chris Neal. I'm the associate pastor here at Grace. Tommy's gone. It's gone off the rails quickly. So, but we're going to get back on. But if you're new here, we're so happy you came to join us this morning. Come back next week. There'll be no fights. There'll be, it'll be perfect. It'll be everything with that. But it is really good. I kind of set that up with, with Katie and Pam because Jonah is like this extreme story of all these extreme emotions and all this stuff. And, and like this, it's an example of the extreme human condition. And man, we got a bunch of it. And so we're starting Jonah this morning. And if you haven't read Jonah, man, pick it up. It's a quick read, but it's really so deep. We'll be doing this for the next, I think, four Sundays or so. So come on back as we go through the book of Jonah because it's really cool. Uh, so one of the other things I really like about the story of Jonah is this word great or huge appears like 15 times in Jonah. And, and the whole book's only 48 verses. So that's a high number of, uh, of times to use the word great or huge. And so I want you to listen to this and see if this reminds you of anybody that you might know or have heard of. So in the book of Jonah, Jonah's emotions, they are huge, right? The storm is huge. The fish is huge. The city is huge. We don't know who wrote Jonah, but we might think it was Donald Trump. <laughs> He was responsible for two Corinthians with them. That's another time. So Jonah doesn't even know it, but he's on a mission to make Nineveh great again, right? Okay, that's enough. So let's go ahead and just jump right in before people start walking out. All right. So here we go. First scripture. Jonah 1, 1 through 2. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Because its wickedness has come up before me. And so a few fun facts. Jonah's name means dove. And Jonah's father's name means faithfulness. And so Jonah's actually dove, son of faithfulness. And so when we see doves in the Bible, it's like this symbol of purity. It's the symbol of the Holy Spirit. It's the symbol of, this, of God's presence working in the world in that moment. Is when we see that usually. And so from his name... Jonah should be this faithful guy who's doing the work of God wherever he's at in the world, right? And we see pretty quickly that Jonah is not that kind of guy. Let's read Jonah 1, 3. It says, but Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So actually, Jonah, the prophet of God, turns out to be one of the most faithless characters in the entire story as he takes off running from God. And he's the only prophet to ever really run from God. I mean, we have other prophets in the Bible that argue with God. We have prophets in the Bible that, that resist God. But Jonah, he just takes off like Forrest Gump. One day I just started running, right? And he's trying to outrun God. And so Dove, son of faithfulness, is not off to a great start in the story. But there was something else that happened 
Put that passage back up there for me. There's a word that's repeated three times, and it's a super fun word to say. Did anybody catch it there? Tarshish, yes. You can say it however you'd like. But so from our Bible study skills, anytime you see a word that's kind of unique or something like that, that should be a red flag that God is trying to say something to us about Tarshish. And the people that would have read this in the old days, they would have known immediately what was going on here. And so I know it's only verse 3, and you want to keep reading, but God is also challenging us to find out a little bit more about Tarshish before we move on. And so the word Tarshish is mentioned 26 times in 22 texts within the Hebrew Bible. Some of us, we call that the Old Testament. But if you do a quick study and survey of the word Tarshish in the Bible, you're going to find off that first, like Tarshish is this, this exotic land that is known for its pure gold. Tarshish has tons and tons of pure gold. And when you do this search, the most common phrase that appears with the word Tarshish in the Bible is really not about the land. It's more about the ships of Tarshish. And so these ships, they go up and down the Mediterranean coast, and they bring people looking for gold, or they just bring gold all up and down the Mediterranean coast. And people back then, they loved gold. Just like we love gold today because it's a symbol of wealth and it's a symbol of power and it's a symbol of security. And that's how they built their own kingdoms and their own nations. And so these ships, they went back and forth from Tarshish to help people build their own kingdoms. And lo and behold, guess what? There's a man in the Bible who falls temptation to this pattern. King Solomon. So in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 22, Solomon actually has a fleet of ships. And guess what they did? For the king hadn't seen the ships of Tarshish with the ships of Haram. Once every three years, the ships of Tarshish came bringing gold and silver and ivory and apes and peacocks. So they're bringing all this stuff, gold and ivory and apes. Like you can't make this stuff up, right? That's just crazy. And he wanted to get apes every year, but the people said, that's just bananas. Hey. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we have the wisest man in the Bible, according to the Bible. And if you don't know Solomon's story, early on in his life, like he asked God for discernment and discerning good and evil to discerning right and wrong. So we have this guy who's asked for wisdom and discerning good and evil. He's building this fancy palace. Right? It's almost like we're bringing Trump back into the story, but we're not. And then in this beautiful palace, he brings these animals of all kinds, right? He, he's starting to create, if you notice from, from last year, he's creating his own Eden. Like he's creating his own Eden. There's, this is all Eden imagery. Where he has this little piece of perfection. And where all the animals, they live together with him in this palace in peace. Right? And so it's Eden imagery, but because Solomon is creating this for himself, and by his own power, it's a false Eden. So Tarshish, when we see this word in the Bible, is a place where people go to supply their own and build their own kingdoms. And in this kingdom that you build for yourself, you get to decide what is good and what is evil. 
But we see, these, we see these themes carried throughout the Bible. So when you see a word that's kind of questioned, like, what does that mean? And especially if you see it three times in one verse, you should figure out what God is really trying to say in that passage. And so coming back to Jonah, of all the places that Jonah could have ran to, could have fleed from the presence of God, where does he go? Tarshish. He's running for God. He's running from his purpose. He's running to a place where he can create his own Eden and do whatever he wants to do. And Jonah, like he was a good Jewish boy, and he was a prophet of God. And so he would have known that it's impossible to run from God. Like he would have known this verse or this passage, Psalm 139. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me and your hand will hold me fast. So when we connect this psalm, to Jonah's story, we kind of get a picture, speaking of pictures, throw that picture up there for me, of what is going to happen to Jonah. So here's Jonah over here, see Nineveh, right? And where's Jonah going? He's going as far away from God and as God's plan as he can get to the far side of the sea, right? The Jonah travel plan. I love it because we could all I can put the Chris travel plan. I've traveled this path many times. Uh, you can put your name there, whatever it is. But look, look where Nineveh is at and look where Jonah goes to the far side of the sea. And it says, even if I go down, where did he go when he got in the ship? He went down to the bottom. And even if I go to the far side of the sea, God's purposes will come to pass and God is still there. And the neat thing is, God, he could have addressed Nineveh in any kind of way, but he chose to work through Jonah. Like, God writes Jonah into this story. And we see this all throughout Scripture. Like, God, he writes people into his story. And he didn't stop doing it when the Bible was finished. He wants to write each and every person in here into this unfolding story. And when God calls you, like, are you going to obey and say, yes, God, I'm ready. I'm going to do it this time. Or are you just going to keep going your way, making your false eating and your way to whatever your Tarshish is? And for all the winning manhood guys, are you going to choose the hard right thing to do? Or are you going to choose the easy wrong thing to do? <sighs> Am I going to follow God and his ways? Or am I going to make my own false Eden? And we already know what Jonah does, right? And the sad thing about this is that, is that Jonah thinks he's running for his life when he's running for God, running from God. But in reality, he is running from life when he is running from God. And so most of you know, I got two kids, Avery and Caleb. And they're pretty cool. And I'm a pretty decent dad, I think. I give myself a good solid seven. Yeah. <laughs> Right? But I've always wanted the best for them, right? And I've always wanted just to spend time with them, and I try and do the things that they love to do, and I really have, like, the best in mind for them and their future and their life, right? And so if you have more than one kid, you're going to probably realize, or if you hung out with kids very long, most of them are very different, right? 
And so when we were trying to do something and it would get hard or difficult or something, one kid would just become this puddle of, of weight, of dead weight on the floor, and the other kid was a runner. They just take off running. And if you know my kids, you can probably guess which one is which. <laughs> Caleb was immovable, and Avery wouldn't stop. Because uh, Avery, man, bless her heart, when she just would take off running if she saw a dog or a goat or something fancy or shine out in the field, man, she was just gone. And she would take off running. And in my mind, like, I've got to stop this. I've got to figure out a way to keep her safe. And so I actually got a dog collar. And hold up. It's not like it was a shot collar. The batteries were out, okay? Calm down. But Avery, she was so tiny that this dog collar would actually fit around her waist like a belt. So really, it was just a belt. So I, put, I would put this belt on her. This is a true story. And I would get my dog leash. Anyway. And when we went outside, that's how I took her. Because I may have an amazing physique, but I'm not the fastest runner. Right? Even with my running leg on. Like, it's not happening. But in my mind, I was loving her. And I was trying to save her from mortal danger. Because we also have electric fences at our house. Doesn't make the story sound better. But anyway, I was trying to keep her safe. But in her mind, I was oppressing her. And I was taking life from her. And this is kind of what we see in the story of Jonah. Like God loves Jonah and God wants the best for Jonah. And God loves us and he wants the best for us. He wants us to be part and he wants Jonah to be part of this unfolding salvation story that he has for the entire world. He has an amazing adventure for Jonah. I mean, this is where God was going to show Jonah how he could pour out grace on people that did not deserve to get grace from God. This was a life-changing adventure that God was offering Jonah. But Jonah, he's just fixated on his problems and all the things that he doesn't want to do and all the ways this is going to cost him time and money and be inconvenient. And so Jonah, what does he do? He just takes off running. And eventually, when you run long enough, people start to suffer for the consequences of your rebellion and your sin and when you run from God long enough, all of these consequences, they start to spill out onto every relationship in your life. Jonah 1, 4 through 6. It says, however, the Lord, the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo, which was with them in the ship, into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah, he had gone below into the stern of the ship. He had laid down and he had fallen asleep. And so the captain approached him and said, how are you sleeping? Get up. Call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us and we will not perish. And so Jonah, he's on a ship headed to Tarshish, his fake Eden. And he's asleep like he's numb and oblivious to everything that's going on around him. He's just down there taking a nap. And the sailors here, they're going crazy. And they're throwing stuff overboard. Can you imagine like the chaos and everything that's going on? And then in Jonah 1.9, Jonah says this. He says, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And then he became extremely frightened. 
And they said to him, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them so. What should we do to calm this storm? For the sea was like it was becoming increasingly stormy. And he said, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. And here it is. For I know that on account of me, this great storm has come on you. However, the men, like they rode.
you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.